Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome to the wrap party where we dive a little deeper into Sunday's message. Pastor Ray here this week with Michael Lepinay. He just wrapped up our series, Did You Hear the One About, where we're looking at the parables of Jesus. Michael, why don't you remind us which parable you talked about and then tell us a little bit about your message. Yeah, sure. Um, so we talked this morning about the parable of the Good Samaritan, right, where um, there's this Jewish lawyer and Jesus, and they're having this conversation, and this lawyer asks him, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they have this back and forth, and, you know, Jesus asks him, well, what's written in the law? And he says, um, love, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and then Jesus basically gives him this parable of the Good Samaritan, explaining, him, explaining to him what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, you talked about the, the call to be a Good Samaritan. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me that when Jesus is having this conversation with the lawyer, uh, he asks him, how do you read the law? And, and the guy says what Jesus elsewhere says is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, Jesus says later, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And um, as I've studied that saying of Jesus, when he says is like it, it's not just, you know, it's, it's second place to the first command, it's equivalent to. So loving God is equivalent to loving your neighbor. Um, many, many scholars will say that in commentaries that you read. Um, and what, That's fascinating. what's I'm kind of difficult, yeah, what's kind of difficult is we love ourselves an awful lot. Yeah. But we're called to love others, even our enemies, as much as we love ourselves. This is a tough question I'm going to ask. Okay. Um, so don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, not trying to trip answer. you up or anything. <laughs> I don't know how I would answer it, honestly. But okay. what do you think is the key to obeying this command of Jesus to love others as yourself? Um, I think the key would be really the last few minutes of, of the message. We talked about this um this role reversal that happens where typically we read the, the parable of the Good Samaritan and I'll speak for myself. You know, I, I, I can read it by default of like, okay, I'm called to be a Good Samaritan. I'm called to go do these good works and love my neighbor as, as myself. And for me to read it like that is really like almost like a kind of moralism, like do this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then, and then, you know, get eternal life. And really the key is actually seeing ourselves as the one who, who is dead on the side of the road mm -hmm. and we're bleeding out and we need someone to save us. We need a good Samaritan and we have to see Jesus as the good Samaritan, as the hero of the story. We are not the hero of the story. He did not tell that message to the lawyer to tell that parable to the lawyer as a way to tell the lawyer like, Hey, you're the good Samaritan. He painted the lawyer, the hero mm -hmm. as the one who's dead on the side of the road that needs someone to save them. And I think the key I strongly believe the key to actually loving others as ourselves is first seeing that we need our own Good Samaritan. We need our own Savior and we need someone to love us. And when we 
receive that truth and when Jesus changes us, that 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 is the key. That is the key to actually loving others as ourselves. I would yeah. I would say. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And um, what's what really fascinated fascinated me about your message this morning, um, I guess I, I guess a moment of it was when you gave the illustration of a, a set of binoculars, mm-hmm. and you're trying to yeah. get that perfect clarity. Um, and and you talked about how different the insignificant difference between us and the worst kind of person, yes. our our enemy. Um, but that pales in comparison. Uh, it's it's almost incomparable to how different we are from Jesus. Um, but the way you unpacked that last part, where not only are we vastly different, um, but we're in that state, and and Jesus still gets off his donkey yes. and goes to the cross. Um, yes. So there's a, there's a lot to unpack in the, in the message. Um, so, so that really stands out to me, the difference. And I think, um, that really ties into the key to obeying the command. Um, we have to have proper perspective of who we are as fallen creatures and our desperate perspective of the worst kinds of people on, on the earth and, and the, the, the 99% similarities between us and them compared to us and Jesus. And that, that view on our neighbors and that view on even our enemies, those who are different like us, if we have that perspective that I'm one click away from them, then that should, that, that, that will drive a humility in us and a charity in our view to others and help us see others the way God right. sees them, mm-hmm. you know, even the worst kinds of person. And that's, yeah. that's a, that, that's, that's a tough medicine for me to, you know, to drink, but right. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back to, um, I think it was last week. Um, the, the idea came through where there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him less. It's like this, that's the worst, the worst thing that we possibly could do in this world. Yes. If we were to commit that act. Um, but we turn to Jesus for grace, that grace is available to us. Yeah. Um, and I think in the same way, we should strive to show that same grace to others, mm-hmm. whether they're our enemies or not, whether um, we may be judging their poor decisions or not. And I think you brought a lot of this out in your message. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't matter if your enemy, like if they're, if the, if you're right or wrong or if they're right or wrong, that's, that's not the point. Right. The point is like seeing like the rest of God's creation his children and and also unbelievers and the worst the worst of the worst out there. It's like, man, I am not any different compared to my Savior, my good Samaritan who gets off of his donkey and he loves me back to life. That chasm is infinite, absolutely infinite. Infinite when you look at it side by side with me and and Hitler, you know. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting um, to to think about that, and, and I hope that I find myself contemplating that more. You know, just just realizing uh, how much need I have of a savior, and then realizing that others need that as well. Yeah. Um, and whether or not they've they've come to um, come to a personal f- conviction that Jesus is Lord and Savior, I'm still obligated 
to show them grace, to bestow charity upon them. Um, And it's more than you mentioned this too in your message. It's not just giving them money, which often in America, that's the first thing we think about is is either, you know, giving a few dollars to the guy on the side of the road or giving a hundred dollars to X charity. Um, That's, that's our go-to. And so, so I would say for American Christians, we equate being a good Samaritan with giving money to people and causes. Yeah. Um, I wish we had had time in the, in the sermon to unpack this, but as I was like actually just preparing this message and thinking about that, it's like, man, my default is just thinking about exactly what you just said. It's always like financial first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the, I would, I would argue that it's way more costly than just financial. Um, so, Okay, I think about there are certain kinds of personalities that I just don't, you know, we all kind of like don't vibe with certain kinds of personalities. There's a certain kind of personality that I have a really, I hate to admit this because it shows just my own fallenness and maybe pride or something, but like there's certain kind of personalities that are just hard for me to be around and hard for me to accept and love. And the parable of the Good Samaritan should challenge me if my perspective is is correct and, and viewing others through God's grace. I should I should accept them and love them and converse with them and and that that is is an example of loving your neighbor, yeah, loving right. someone who's different. And then on like the opposite, like okay, so that's like a kind of simple analogy. That's like a non financial based uh, example. I think of like the most extreme examples of, you know, in early Christianity for the first, you know, few centuries, there were multiple plagues that happened in Rome. Rome was like the empire back then for the first few centuries, AD, the beginning of the early church, the church is persecuted. And there is these horrible plagues and some estimate that like, like a quarter of the Roman population were, were wiped out in some of these plagues. And, and, all of like the emperor, the the higher ups, they all left. There's documentation, like historical documentation, that they all left the city, and it was Christians who stayed in the city, going to their imminent death. They knew that they were mm-hmm. going to die, staying in the city and helping and loving and just caring for the people who were dying of these yeah. plagues. And that is like such a that that's an extreme version mm-hmm. of what we're talking about, but like. That's the kind of sacrifice that 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 Jesus calls us to. I mean, we're not all right. called to like you know like and that's an, that's an extreme version, mm-hmm. but that is like the Good Samaritan taking to like the nth degree in like a communal perspective is Christians staying behind in the early you know in, in early Christianity and in like um, uh, like the fourteen and sixteen hundred same thing in in Europe Christians staying behind. And literally going to their death, knowing that they're going to die and staying and taking care of the poor during these massive plagues that wiped out millions of people in centuries past. And that's like a, I mean, that's, that's part of our lineage right. as Christians, that history. And we have to remember the cost of that. And I have to ask myself, okay, if we had like another, you know, a horrible pandemic mm-hmm. that was unsolvable and in what I stay behind 
You know, would I stay behind just to care and love for those if everyone else was leaving? Right. You know, in Haiti, when the, when the earthquake happened in 2010, you know, governments came in and governments left really quickly, mm-hmm. you know, and it's Christian organizations that have stayed years and years and years after when there's nobody talking about it on the media and they're not getting glory. It's Christian organizations that have stayed in Haiti caring for people years after governments have left. Right. It's that kind of sacrifice, that kind of good Samaritan on a, on a much larger perspective. So, yeah, it's really good. Um, as our, as our time's kind of winding up here, um, do you have maybe a word of encouragement or advice for someone, um, who maybe has listened to this sermon and can identify with some of these deep idols that you mentioned, um, power, Mm -hmm. approval, comfort, control. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about kind of American Christianity and I think comfort is a really bad (laughs) sin in the church. Um, is there any sort of encouragement or advice you'd have for somebody as they're, they're looking deep within and they're maybe recognizing some of these deep idols, um, yeah, about the grace of God in that and in, in the call to be a good Samaritan. Well, I think I, I can I can only speak for myself. And um, I've been looking at this in my own life through like counseling and stuff for for years. And, and you know, these idols of comfort, control of power, of approval. To me, the encouraging thing is that there is a way out. <laughs> there is a way out like. I, I, I want control in my surroundings, you know, and that's, that's, you know, in some ways, sure, that's good. But, but as an idol, it is debilitating and crippling and, mm-hmm. and oppressive. Um, the way out is seeing that only Jesus, like, you know, someone said, I think it's maybe A.W. Tozer, like our hearts are an idol factory. <clears throat> we will worship something. We will put right. something on the altar of our hearts and oftentimes it's these deep idols instead of the one that we should be worshiping which is jesus and we have to we have to we have to get get our order correct Mm -hmm. the order is jesus and when we put jesus as the idol of our heart and we say god my i i i so need in my life control i so need certainty in my surroundings and i need comfort in my life i fear pain and suffering i can i'm speaking personally (laughs) when i acknowledge that and i confess that and i say jesus you it's only you who can give me the comfort that i really need and it's only you the comfort that i so long for and I, i i want to avoid pain and suffering you know it's only you who can bring real comfort. It's right. only you who can bring real control. It's only you who can give me real power through the Holy Spirit. It's only you whose approval matters. And we re, re we reorder our idols correctly. To me to me that's the hope is that it's not I like the worst thing to do is to see like these idols and be like, "Oh gosh, like it's just it's oppressive and it's like, okay, I'm stuck behind stuck between a, a rock and a hard place." Um see Jesus as the one who gets off his, his donkey and, and loves you and gives you that approval, that power, that, that control, that power. It's his work. You know, think about that. Think about the reordering of your idols, the, the correct reordering of your idols and everything else falls into place. Yeah.
Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Michael, for your word today. Um, If you guys haven't listened to the message, go back and listen to it. It was fantastic. Um, I hope, too, it will encourage you to maybe look into Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods, that Michael drew part of this out, especially this part about deep idols. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can go a little deeper, excuse the pun, or the... uh, The pun, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But next week we'll start a new series where we're looking at the attributes of God. So you don't want to miss that. But for now, that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.